Welcome to the Legacy and Faith Show featuring estate and tax attorney Paul Grant. The Legacy and Faith Show is about the journey of discovering how to create plans that protect wealth and family values for generations. And now the host of the Legacy and Faith Show, Paul Grant. Along with co-host Mark Holland, it's another edition of the Legacy and Faith Show with Paul Grant. But this week, once again, Paul's associate, Danielle Olero, sitting in, talking with us last few shows about wills. And last week, got into the subject of what is a trust. And uh, Danielle, first, uh, welcome to the show once again. Thank you. And uh, this is your real area of expertise. You work a lot with families, uh, setting up trusts, both before uh, they pass away and after uh, administering them and closing estates. And uh, tell us a little bit again, uh, your definition of first of all, what is a trust, a living trust? Yeah, so we were talking last week about a revocable living trust. And what that really means is that um, it's essentially it's a holding container that uh, the holding container is really your instructions. So what happens during your lifetime? What happens if you're disabled? Um, and then what happens after you've passed away? So all of those instructions really create this kind of bowl. And then um, so in the office, we use a candy bowl and then we title all of your candy in life. So the your house your bank accounts, uh, all of your investment accounts into the name of the trust. And that's how we get all of those instructions to attach. Hmm. Then we name a trustee or, or a couple of trustees and we put their hands underneath that bowl so they can manage everything that's inside of that bowl. And now if something were to happen, so if you were to become disabled, it says what happens with each of those assets and what happens after you've passed away. So again, a trust, uh, a lot of advantage because uh, it's private, um, doesn't have to go through probate. We talked about all of those advantages on the last show. You can find that at LegacyAndFaith.com. We're kind of moving along here a little bit uh, to some of the maybe misnomers people have about trusts. People Mm -hmm. have heard that trusts help people to pull strings from the grave, control your family (laughs) in perpetuity, uh, as they say. Is this true? Uh, uh, about trust? Um, I mean, it can be. For, it can it be. Can be. <laughs> they want to set it up that way. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got to get straight A's or you don't get any money or whatever for the kids. Or <laughs> yes. Well, a trust really is. It's a. It's a. It's a blank slate. And so when people come into our office, we actually have a whiteboard where we're going to draw out some of these things. And um and and that's truly how I think of a trust, which is that we can do anything people want to with a trust. Hmm. Um and so some people do want to have some some boundaries around how people spend the money, and we spend a lot of time actually talking about uh that I mean I see people inherit money every single day, and um we find that it's money you didn't earn. It's money that um, is coming at a, a an unexpected time and an emotional time, mm. and so people make some very interesting decisions, mm. um, and they they have the same tendencies as lottery winners, which is that eighty percent of lottery winners actually go through bankruptcy. Which is no matter how much they won. No matter how much they've yeah. won, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and um, so we see that with with beneficiaries. Eighty percent. Eighty percent of people who win lotteries, mm-hmm. yeah. and if the same because it does feel like a lottery sometimes. It does feel like a lottery. Unexpected money. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and especially in those first two years, uh, in grief. I mean, I most people are not making 
decisions that they normally would. And so um, we actually do we, – we see that quite often of people making some questionable decisions that maybe they wouldn't have made before and maybe they won't make you know, after they get through their grieving process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some, some parents specifically, you, know, you want this to be able to last. You want it to be able to, um, to be generational money if that's possible. Um, and so, putting some minor boundaries around uh, the trust is something that. What some would be a common boundary that you do see? Um, yeah, so we can say, well, you can only use this money for what you need, and needs is pretty. It's it's pretty broad, really. I need a place, a safe place to live. I need um, reliable transportation to work. I need Wi-Fi and self cell phone service in this day and age. And some parents don't think that's quite a need, but, Hmm. you know, um, so you can use it for what you need. You can use it for health emergencies. So it's pretty broad, um, but you can't use it for what you want. So you can't go on vacation. If you want to go on vacation, um, you'll have to save up for it yourself. If you want a brand new car rather than just a reliable car, well, you're going to have to save up for that yourself. Hmm. So, really, you can put those kinds of controls in a trust and mm-hmm. how the money is spent. That's exactly right. So, so some parents want to be able to do that. Other parents say, "Well, you know what? I I hope I raised them right." So. We can have as much control or as little control as, as you want to. And we also always talk about that if they're responsible as you hope and think they will be, they'll never hit that ceiling. They'll never hit that boundary. Mm. But it's there in case they and need it. Who's managing that? So I get that, that implies maybe for, for young, young family, young kids who have a trust. Mm-hmm. You've got to hear the trust fund baby or the trust fund. <laughs> so who's managing it? Like a law firm is managing that, determining whether or not they're frivolous, frivolously spending money? Or who's making that decision? That's a great question. And that's um, another thing. Again, it's a blank slate. And so we can have uh, – it might be somebody who is professional. It might be them working with the um, with your beneficiary, so with your child. Um, there might be some sort of shared power that's going on for the trustee. It might be somebody who's completely in control of it. So um, there's a lot of different options mm-hmm. that we can use to make sure that they have as much control as you want or um, or pretty tight um, boundaries and having somebody else maybe even fully manage that. Mm-hmm. So for minor children or special needs individuals like we were talking about before, they probably have somebody else managing it mm-hmm. versus um, an adult child. They may have somebody that they're just working with, mm-hmm. whether that be an attorney or a CPA. Okay, so a blank slate, whatever you can th- you can think about in your family dynamics, what might uh, be in place then for you. Let's move on then to uh, another issue. This is one that Paul always reminds us about. Uh, he talks about the dangers of the blended family. Yes. And that presents all kinds of challenges. Yeah. So we talked about in the last couple of shows that that's um, that's a dangerous place and a place where people make a lot of assumptions Mm -hmm. that um, everything's going to go to their new spouse. And so sometimes there won't even be a plan. And that's oftentimes where I'm starting to see somebody who is in a very um, precarious situation and they're very uh, nervous about losing their house or losing their livelihood. So a trust can actually protect both um, your spouse as well as as your um, your biological children. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
in using a trust, you can take care of a spouse in any way that you want to. So the biggest one we oftentimes see is a house. So sometimes one uh, one person will bring in a house to the marriage, and they say, "Well, I don't want to kick my spouse out if I die, but it's a it's a family house, and so I ultimately want it to go to my kids, um, and I don't really want it to be even split out amongst all all of the blended families' kids." Mm-hmm. Um, and so through a trust, we can, we can do those kinds of things. We can say, well, it's, uh, your spouse can stay there, but it doesn't actually become theirs. And so now it's called a life estate, so they can stay there for their lifetime, so they're protected. Um, and maybe all of your money will also be in a trust to where it can be, take care of your spouse. But then um, – if that spouse moves or if they pass away, then the house can go to your kids rather than being split out amongst um, your spouse's children as well. Mm. And so there's a lot of control that we can still have that we can't do with a will because with a will, it just says it's a check writing instrument. So all it does is says, give my give all of my stuff to who I have said. So if you give that to your spouse, now she he or she can do whatever they want to do with it, and and that's where you hear about, um, you know, they cut, you know, somebody else out of the will, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and things like that, or or they just didn't plan, and so the the law is going to look at biological children before they're going to look at um, who was in the blended family, and so this is a way that we can make sure that your children are going to be protected, but also that your spouse is protected. It can be, but um, with a will, but uh, you can also, I mean, once that that spouse is left behind could also, they can also, can't they, can't they change the change things too once you've passed away? Like for instance, you pass, you and your current uh, spouse set up a trust and um, you had a big uh, retirement account that you thought when you die was going to go to your kids but now, because the other person was the the spouse was at the top of the list, uh, once you passed away, they said, "No, I don't want to give the money to the kids. I want to give it to a bunch of charities." Mm-hmm. Can that can that scenario uh, be uh, solidified with a trust so that you make sure the kids get the, get yes. that money? Or because <laughs> I know from personal experience that that's, that happens, and they had a trust. It must not have been a very good trust. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, so we can put in provisions that say um uh basically this is what's going to happen with my assets or with this house or with these specific assets after um after the original beneficiary passes away. So so it does not become the other spouse's actual property. It's held in a trust and they can be the beneficiary of that trust. They might even have a lot of control over what what that trust does. But the provisions say after that person passes away, now it's certainly going to go to my kids and you can't and you can't change that. So so that but that needs to be pretty well. That can be controlled with a trust if it's mm-hmm. set up properly. Mm-hmm. But That's if it wasn't set up properly <laughs> or it just said, well, the, the surviving spouse gets to do what they want once I'm gone. Yeah, and so it's, it goes back to that blank slate again, right? So we can uh, some some spouses would say, "Well, I want them to have as much control of it," and and if they disinherit the kids, then that's fine. But that's a conversation that we certainly want to have: is how much are you going to trust your spouse to change it or not change it after mm. you've passed away? Yeah, I would think this is the area where, um, again, you, you being a people person, you have to kind of be in the middle of a lot of difficult. <laughs> conversations because, again, the surviving spouse can do something totally, particularly if it was, again, a blended family, a second husband, second wife, 
who didn't particularly like the kids in their life in their lifetime, they can do something totally different, and then everybody gets upset. Yep, they truly can, and so uh, so I do see a lot of different um, uh, and unfortunately very sad family dynamics when when planning's not done well for blended families specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay, talking about trust this week uh, with Danielle Olero. She's an associate of Paul Grant at the Planning with Purpose firm. Legacy and Face Show, so people are interested in uh, maybe getting a trust for their family. How do they find out more from you, Danielle? Uh, you can get onto the LegacyandFaith.com website, and you can find out more about us. LegacyandFaith.com. Okay, back with more in just a moment on the Legacy and Face Show. Can I avoid probate? Well, I lose everything if my health becomes compromised. How do I preserve what I have for me and my family? Will the government take it all? This is Paul Grant with the Legacy and Faith Show. These are some of the most common questions we get on a daily basis, and there are solutions for all of these issues. It is time for you to protect your family and what God has placed under your stewardship, and we can help. Go to LegacyandFaith.com to find out more about our services and upcoming educational opportunities. That's Legacy and Faith. Your photos, slides, scrapbooks, and home movies are invaluable and irreplaceable. Barry Kenny here with the Bear Services. Call us to save them as digital files to be stored electronically and shared liberally. We will even come to you so they stay in your possession. Go to thebearservices.com for more information. That's thebearservices.com. We now return to the Legacy and Faith Show, featuring estate and tax attorney Paul Grant and continue today's practical discussion to apply biblical principles for kingdom purposes. Along with co-host Mark Holland this week, uh, talking with Danielle Olero. She's an associate of Paul Grant at the Planning with Purpose firm, and we're talking about trust this week. Talked about blended families before the break there, and moving on a little bit here. And and uh, you wanted to be sure that uh, in closing estates, what are some of the biggest concerns you see from your clients? So we talked about, is blended families one of the main concerns? What are some other concerns? (laughs) (laughs) Blended families are certainly a concern. Um, uh, And honestly, just a smooth transition. I mean, we talk about that with people who are creating plans. um, And I think it is a good concern because that's what I hear most often from uh, the people who are sitting down with me saying, you know, mom just passed away. What am I supposed to do? And so having a smooth transition, having a, a place where they can go and um, and make sure that they're more comfortable in that in that um, transition. So um, education really helps and really talking about it. Um, I know it's an uncomfortable conversation to have over family dinner, mm-hmm. um, but the people who actually know, number one, that they are going to close the estate. I mean, that's... Yeah. Or that's find good... out that they're the trustee. Yes. How often do people find out after the fact that they were named the trustee? Do yeah. people usually know in their life, like the, the aunt, my, like I had an aunt who told me a couple of years before mm-hmm. she passed, Mark, I've made you the trustee of my, my living trust. And she would always talk about this. And I said, okay, whatever. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's what we want is we want people to know. And so I do have some people come in and say, I didn't know I was the trustee, and now what do I do? And that just puts people into a situation where um, they didn't know that and they don't know what it means or what to do about it. And so, uh, so yeah, letting them know what role they play in your plan is really, really important. Um, and then getting them some, some education, so really talking to them about what, to, what does that actually mean um, and, and what does that mean to you, to mean to them on a practical level, but also what does it mean to you as why 
you named them. I mean, you named them for a reason. So just let them know that. Um, so I think education and then making sure that your your plan is well-maintained um, and has a cohesive um that, that everything is going towards your goal of a smooth transition, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean by well-maintained? I mean, mm-hmm. again, we said, uh, again, the difference between a trust and a will. Will is all after the fact, but a trust gets a lot of stuff prepared in advance of your passing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so we often talk about um, – so. Everything has to get into the name of the trust in order for the trust um, instructions to attach. And so that does involve that we have to go through and and put new titles on your house, put new titles on on bank accounts. So there is some upfront work that a a trust does require. Um, But you're either going to do that on the front end and do that with the trust or um, the person who's closing your estate is going to do that on the back end. So there's work either way. There's work when someone passes away. But more work with a will. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, so you're putting that that work on your family, yep. versus you taking care of that in your life. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And then we want to just make sure that everything is is pointed to. Um, and this is regardless of whether you use a trust or a will. We just need to make sure. So we talked about beneficiary designations being another way to do estate planning, joint ownership. So there's a lot of different ways that you're actually doing estate planning. Um, in your lifetime by naming beneficiaries, for example, on your retirement accounts. Are those the same as what your estate plan is saying? So mm-hmm. making sure everything is aligning. Um, I had a a, um, a client who had, um, there was a trust, um, but there was also a will that said something different than the trust. Mm. Had both. They, <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. and, then, <laughs> and then they had beneficiary designations that didn't match the trust or the will. Mm. And so... You know, they thought there was a lot of I mean, there was a lot of planning done in that situation, but we had some things that were in the name of the trust. And so they were being controlled by the trust. Some things were being controlled by the will, which said something different. And some people, well, which being- one is the most powerful and which one trumps everything, the trust or the beneficiary designation or which one uh, gets to the top of the list of considerations? Well, and that's why it's so important to make sure that everything's pointed in the right direction, because actually all three in certain really? situations. Mm. So the trust manages everything that's in the trust name, but a will manages everything that's still in your personal name. And a beneficiary designation is going to trunk the the trust and the will itself mm. just because that's the way that beneficiary designations work. For instance, like maybe a life insurance policy. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so in this estate, even though they had done planning but didn't all go together, mm. and now the person is dealing with a trust, a will, and beneficiary designations all at the same time. So it's really not about – the instrument that you use, it's making sure that it's well-maintained and that everything's going in the direction that you want it to. Mm. And so there are times to use a trust and there's times to use a will. And we use them both in in our planning and at the firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people come in to us and say, I don't have enough money. I need I need a trust or I mean, um, I need a will or I need a trust. They think because they don't have a large estate. That's probably pretty common. I don't have a big enough estate mm-hmm. to, to justify a trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I equate that to if you were going to get a, um, a bathroom remodel and you hired a contractor and you said, oh, my, my remodel is really simple. I only want you to do, use a hammer. Well, you're probably not going to be happy with the result if you find a contractor who's actually willing to only use a hammer in that, 
on that job. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty stark. (laughs) And that's kind of what it is when somebody comes in and says, well, I know that you can only use a trust or a will. Those are the only two tools I can use. But if you tell me I only can use one or the other, then you may be, um, uh, you know, not having the structural integrity that you would want in a plan. And so the tools themselves, that's um, kind of our job to, to determine how to use those tools. It's not that one's good or one's bad over another. We do tend to use trust. That's true because they are just more protective. They're more um, uh um, flexible tools, but there there is a place for a will as well. Mm-hmm. And so the type of tool um, is something that, you know, we should make that determination. Is there anything that should not go into a trust? Talk about putting all these things in the trust. Any assets in life that don't go in a trust? Great question. And so, um, yes, the retirement accounts do not go into the trust. So Now, why is that? Um, so there's some IRS rules. So the reason that you put something into a retirement account is so that you can get certain tax benefits. So the IRS says you have to have those in your personal name in order to get those tax benefits. So that's a place where we are going to use beneficiary designations. Um, so, again, a different tool, but they're going to point to a trust um, so that we can still use the trust itself, give you the tax benefits of them. and uh, So the beneficiary designation then on the uh, retirement account would say, give all this money to the uh, Mr. Jones Trust? Uh, yes. My passing. That's mm-hmm. how you that's how you handle that. That's okay. exactly right. Okay. And so you can still get the tax benefits and you get the protections and um the instructions in the trust itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um is there anything that you find particularly difficult to deal with then in closing an estate? So last time we talked um a bit about the stuff in the house. <laughs> mm. Um and so that's that's a lot of the times the biggest um, issue with closing a trust or a will. Um, stuff. Yeah, the stuff. The stuff. <laughs> um, the, the mink coat. Yes. Or the 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 costume, the you know, classic jewelry or whatever. The yes, the, the priceless ring. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And so so dealing with the stuff. But if you have things that are unique, so I've had several that have. Um, uh, collector items, cars, um, gold coins, different um, different things that are unique, and so um, art, art, yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people want to make sure that those are well protected, which is good. Um, but make sure that people know number one where they are, and also if you can be organized and even like cataloging some of those things that you have. Um, because those are the biggest things of, you know, and, and those are the, the parts where the, a lot of rumors start to fly, <laughs> um, or stories or family history of, I heard that they had such and such a, um, you know, as piece of art or, or this or that. And so they're looking for certain items that they've heard or seen. And so if, um, if you have things that are, are unique and are of value, um, the, the assets that are in, um, accounts or other things. Those are actually the easy parts. Mm. Um, but if you have other things, getting those appraised beforehand, making a catalog of those, making sure somebody knows where they are and how to access them is really going to make something Yeah, a previous easier. show on the wills, I, I mentioned the, the Persian rug that yes. I had no idea was mentioned in the Living Trust uh, that we just we just sent on down the road with the uncle who had been eyeing it all 
all my aunt's life, and I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And then we had to go get it. Right. You know, after. <laughs> so that was awkward. Okay. Yes. Uh, moving on here. What about surviving spouses? What's the big thing you hear from spouses when you first close an estate? Yeah. So I work a lot with surviving spouses. And um, so oftentimes, specifically our clients, they do have a plan and that's good. Um, but the thing I hear most from them is just um, they have a lack of peace specifically because there is, um, we call it the empty chair. And so in every married couple, there is always roles that we fill. And one of the most common ones that we see is that one person does the finances and one person doesn't. And it's not to say that you have to get involved in the finances and be involved on the day-to-day, but it really, really helps a surviving spouse to know um, you know, some some surviving spouses don't even know where their assets are, um, why they're invested in a certain way. They've never met a financial advisor. They've never met the CPA. And so they're learning about all of these things in a time that they're already in a in a precarious position that they feel like. So taking them, um, making sure that both of you are involved in the relationships that you have, whether that be a financial advisor, whether that be a CPA, whether that be an attorney. So making sure that they're involved in those so that they at least have someone to go to. I think that's the biggest thing is that it's someone to go to. They may not understand exactly the taxes or the investment strategies, but at least they know and have someone to go to. Maybe something more than just like a a list of... uh passwords and things like that. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Know, I mean, that, although even that would be helpful sometimes <laughs> yes. you know, to leave some of that information behind. Yes. yes. <laughs> so as much information as you can, but yes, I think the passing of the relationships is, is really an important thing to get be able to get somebody on the other end of the phone and say it's okay. Um, I mean, that's invaluable to a surviving spouse. Anything else that are big things that you hear from clients when they sit down and close that estate? Yeah, so they they often talk about um, one of the first things that they'll talk about after we get through the particulars and everything else is sort of the memories and and things like that. And mm. so I do think that that's um, something that we sometimes forget in all of the estate planning is we're so worried about the the stuff and the um, the assets and things like that that. Um, you know, we forget about the stories and the values um, that also want to be passed on. And mm-hmm. so, when I talk, when I sit and speak with, whether it be surviving spouses or kids, that's that's the first things that they want to talk about is who was this person, mm. what are the values that they taught me, um, and some of the stories, and that might be triggered by some of the stuff that's there. Mm. Um, but that's, that's that kind what of information can be included in a trust. We can, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 So we can um, start talking about. And what does that mean to to pass along money? And some of my clients will will write these beautiful letters or histories surrounding, you know, you're getting this this necklace and here's the story behind the necklace and how I got it. Or, um, you know, just things like that, that I think that people are actually more interested in those um, than just getting the necklace hmm. and being expected to know or remember, hmm. um, or uh, maybe they never knew where hmm. that came from. Okay, so obviously a lot of uh, important and uh, uh, touchy things to deal with in closing an estate, but it can be made so much um, better with a trust, a living trust. And if you've been listening today and you're intrigued and in getting maybe a trust for your family and you want to have planning with purpose, do that. Uh, Danielle, how do people get in touch with your firm? 
Yes, they can get on to the LegacyInFaith.com website, and there's ways to get in touch with us um, on there. LegacyInFaith.com for more details. Again, Danielle Olero, been in for Paul Grant this week on the Legacy and Faith Show. Thank you for joining us for the Legacy and Faith Show. You can find more information about the show and Paul Grant at LegacyAndFaith.com. Join us next week at the same time as we learn to build God's kingdom and continue our journey on how to protect wealth and family values for generations. All discussions on the Legacy and Faith Show are intended to be about general legal issues. If a situation applies to you, then we encourage you to seek specific legal advice. Please do not rely upon any discussions from this program in place of having a personal relationship with your attorney. Any listener question that may have been answered also does not constitute legal advice and does not establish a client-attorney relationship.